I, I really felt like they had a respect for the people that would be using each of these um, elements because so often like the argument against it is them going, but it's, it's, it's their artistic vision. They've, they've built it to be played this one particular way and to, and to, to, to make any alterations to it at all would be the destruction of art for communism. But that's where you have to go. You need to get your head out of your ass and go, you're making something for people. People know what they will make things better for them. And if it's not something that they need, they can choose it to make it something that makes it better for them. And I found, I was surprised the slow, the slow down, slow down time. It applies to anything spoken any any words in the game, um, any cutscene, the um, high contrast mode um, will go until you turn it off, mm-hmm. and it's, it just if if it, if they didn't respect the players, they would have it automatically go. Oh, but this this bit's really important, so we're going to make sure that the player can't use high contrast and can't slow it down. Was that uh, was that your like impression. Yeah, definitely. And the way I always come at this this argument of the artistic vision argument is that you know what use is having that art that um artistic vision if a lot of the people who want to play your game just can't play it mm-hmm. at all. Um like for me personally, um I would gladly sacrifice any artistic vision um, if it means I can play the game, because that's much more fulfilling for the player than than you know just hearing about the game or reading about it or you know watching somebody else play it is yeah it's good but it's it's nowhere near being able to do it yourself and I think that that again is probably something that within the industry they're becoming more wise to is that there's a lot of kind of an untapped market out there um like i know there's like you know the the purple pound as as it's known which is the sort of the spending power of, of disabled people is sort of i think about 250 billion in the uk alone and if let's imagine that the video game industry is like the tiniest amount of that pie um you're at least talking maybe millions there so you know I think, yeah, all very well to have your artist, artistic vision, but yeah, like you said, <laughs> get your head out of your ass and make sure that as many people who want to play your game just can play it. Um, because not only is that going to earn you a lot of like kudos, as it has with Naughty Dog, they, you know, they've gained a lot of plaudits, rightfully so, for what they've done, um, and you know so much so that you know people like me i would i would never buy a remastered game because games are bloody expensive these days but i bought it because it was accessible and i want to support um companies to continue to do that um so not only will the game plot it but you know these are all multi-million pound and dollar businesses certainly the triple a ones um 
they're going to get a lot of money out of it as well, which mm-hmm. is obviously not of interest to us, but it, it is to them. So if Naughty Dog is like the gold standard in terms of making an accessible game, building it from the ground up and not as an afterthought that's just added on or stapled on, do you think that there is room for improvements to be made in the future? Oh, yeah. Even from Naughty Dog, to be honest. Um, like one of the areas that I think, you know, speaking about The Last of Us in particular, that it was it was lacking is any kind of audio description for the gameplay scenes, um, the, the gameplay uh, moments. Like I, I know I've said it as a screen reader, but like... I don't know if you're playing as sort of Ellie in the second game or something, and she goes to write something in her diary. Um, like you have no idea that she's doing that until a notification pops up saying um, diary entry, press touchpad to view. Um, ah, yes. If, you know, she started writing in her diary and, you know, audio description lady came back and said, you know, Ellie writes in her diary or something like that. Then again, that's a whole new level of immersion added and i i'm lucky in that i have some useful vision so to a degree i, I can appreciate sort of the amazing environments that that the game has but a lot of people who maybe have even less vision than i do or no vision at all um maybe can't well probably can't um appreciate that to to anywhere to the same extent so something like audio description in in the gameplay moments, I think would be uh, a huge step forward for for Naughty Dog with with whatever they do next. And I'm hopeful that something can be done because, again, it would just enhance the entire experience so much more. But um, it, in terms of the industry as a whole, I think it, it's it's going to be hard, and it's going to take a lot, a lot, of, a lot of years for people for like Naughty Dog's level of accessibility to be the standard. It's I can't see that happening in the next probably five, ten years even. But if, you know, some of those core features um, that are there to assist people with different kinds of, of disabilities, if a few of those core features make their way into games as standard, then I think that's going to be sort of an incredible start. Because, like, if you think back to 2020 at the time when The Last of Us Part Two came out, it was essentially like going from no accessibility in a PlayStation game. It was sort of the levels of accessibility were that poor, I found. It was like going from zero to 100. Um, they sort of completely, you know, they raised the bar that high that mm. it's sort of impossible to reach the bar. So I think it's going to take a long while for the industry to catch up. Um, they just need a bit of a nudge, really, to, to get them along the way. Yeah. I'm quite positive in that I think the gaming developers are generally quite competitive with each other. They have to be because like their job is to sell a lot of games and compete with each other. So hopefully the legacy of Naughty Dog kind of leaving a marker, as it were, mm. will hopefully inspire a lot of other bigger um, game developers and smaller ones like literally all game developers to to kind of think about accessibility from the start and actually incorporate it into the game right from the beginning rather than just thinking oh well maybe we should do this and this and then we'll just leave it because we don't have the time or the budget or whatever yeah else but yeah and i think as well that 
they do have that competitive aspect, but I think there's also an element of they need to work together on this as well and share ideas um, yeah. and share research um, and just collaborate to make sure that it gets better across the board. Um, I, it, you know, the organisation I, I work for um, ran sort of an event, um, I think just last month actually, in, in Scotland um, around accessible gaming and they invited sort of a lot of people that work across the gaming sector and there was sort of representatives from Microsoft and Google and lots of other, you know, small, uh, indie, large um, game companies were there. And so over the two or three days, they just discussed accessibility and how it can become um, more involved in the sort of development process for games and just, you know, how, how accessibility can become um, more central to, to the um to the process and i think events such as that uh you know obviously you know vital as well just to share just to share knowledge and and resources really and mm-hmm. i think you know just touching on the how it can get better um i know that you know we've, we've spoken about the last of us quite extensively but the one area we've not like touched on is of the one area that's still quite a difficult one to to consider is online gaming um because mm-hmm. you know the last of us part one and two both completely single player and they are they are supposedly making an, an online game of the last of us online multiplayer mode but they've said that's been coming since 2020 so who knows what's going on with it but i am excited to see if they can um Bring some bring what they've done offline into the online space because I think you know you've talked to Matt about some of the you know the arguments that people on the internet have against accessibility. Those arguments are going to be you know ramped up a hundred times that when it comes to accessibility features being in online games, aren't they? Because um, you know I can I can just imagine being labelled like a cheat or something like <laughs> that using the screen reader or something. You just, you just absolutely made my head explode with that. <laughs> that, that is, is interesting. As you're thinking, I heard a wonderful, uh, like bit of uh, information recently about how, like when in like schools, I think it was in it was either America or in England, uh, you were forced to. Uh, right right-handed and oh, yes. so all the evidence said that 100% of people are right-handed but when they stopped forcing people to write right-handed all of a sudden they think oh my god left-handed people exist now I'm and they go hang on a minute they've always been there people who want to play games but can't because of accessibility issues they've always been there that purple mm. pound is still a pound, and it's the pound that they want. And I was, but I was thinking that you've just the story story games. Obviously, that it's it's perfect for story games because they're insular experiences that you can control exactly what happens all the way through. But they're not the most successful games. Can you imagine? the like Fortnite and call of duty 
how many untold millions of players would be able to play it and how much more revenue that would generate. So I bet that because that, I know capitalism is at the heart of all these positive, positive, mm. altruistic mm. things, games seem to be as good, but they're only doing it because of the money and that has just filled a great big blank like I can almost imagine in the equation. I can almost imagine EA implementing loads of accessibility features into something like Apex Legends and mm. making them like microtransactions. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if anybody would do that, I, I could <laughs> um, like saying, give yeah, us yeah, two pounds fifty and you can have a, five um, minutes of audio description. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like a ticker on a taxi. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. No. But that's funny though, because you um mentioned about sharing things as well and EA is notorious for like not sharing if it's them who it was them that uh, did Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War isn't it yeah because they had the nemesis system and then they've basically made it so that no other developers can like use it in in any of their games I don't know if that's I think it's I think it's again is sorry there you go um, the, another thing Ross said about um, the, the Naughty Dog is was is the cutting edge. It's the the current apex of accessibility. But I think it's it's going to be just like with cars. Like they start off going, "Oh my god, this this car that no one that only the wealthiest people can afford," and how everyone's got a car, and it's a million times better than it was than the first cars. And so many, so much like the, the, my, after having my mind blown by the um, enhanced listening mode, I had, uh, so I thought there's the guy on, um, uh, on Twitter and Twitch and everything. I think he's called the sightless gamer or something. He's, he's blind and he plays games and streams it. And I just thought, oh, this, this listening, sound this listening uh mode's really good so i tried playing it with my eyes shut and it was it was good but i couldn't tell where i was going it wasn't that that good and i think the 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 most incredible like apex i could think of would be like a full a sonar game mode where you could literally it's just like you're a bat or a clicker because they sit, they listen to everything and you can it goes and so you can tell oh there's a door there there's a there's grass there that I can hide in and it just really feels like the 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 limit is the the studio's imagination they just need to commit the resources to it and one thing that like the screen reader I tried that for a little bit it impressed me that it's quick. It's, it reads everything really quickly, like open photo mode. It doesn't go opening photo mode and waste your time. It And I, I think it just, games should have the screen reader on by default, but they, they want to go, oh, but we've got our first image of the open window with the sunlight or the boat floating on the dock. Our artistic vision has to come first. <laughs> and go, you could just have a narrator voice. That would be the, the 
the luxury future. You could have an actual person reading it out as if it's part of the story. It's just the imagination, the sky's the limit. I think having sort of a, like you described, like a sonar-type game, I think (laughs) if you'd have suggested that five years ago, I'd have thought that's like completely impossible. But now my attitude is at least, you know, why not? If they've already done what they've already done, then surely that must be um, doable. I mean, they already have like the the feature where if you press the L3 button, the left analog stick, um, it will direct you in the, the way you need to go, which again mm-hmm. is another life-saving feature for me because I can never see where I need to go. Um, and just pressing that, yeah, it, it points you in the direction you need to go to progress the story. And that's no matter where you stood on the game, it, it works faultlessly. Um so, you know, if they've already got that kind of navigation assistance and being able to detect when you're at, like, the edge of a mountain or something, when there's a hazard there and it sort of, you know, veers you away from it um, and, you know, it can assist you with jumping and things like that, if they can already have those sort of navigation assistance in there, then why not? Let us all feel, let us all feel like we're in a submarine or something. <laughs> and there's also you mentioned the haptic feedback everyone's mm. going oh that's going to enhance everyone's gameplay you could you can feel the you can feel the twine of a bow as it twists as you mm. as you pull the bow you can you can use that to guide people you can have yeah. a, the most subtle rumble in one area of the, the controller could go oh that it's strong directly in front but weak to 45 degrees that means there's a wall in front of me and a door to my right just all those elements that's the the subtlety and nuance that is possible now for everyone developing games that's that just it's that's why it's so exciting to to care about this stuff like just it this it, yeah it's mental to not be, to not be, yeah, yeah, definitely for next gen as well. The, you know, when I played The Last of Us Part Two on the PS4, the PS4 sounded like it was going to like take off into space. <laughs> it, it, yeah. did not, it did not cope very well. But playing that game on the PS5, and then with the Part One remake that they made for the PS5, like all of the accessibility features work so much smoother. Um, mm. Like you mentioned about the screen reader it feels so much more responsive and kind of snappy compared to when you play the PS4 version of The Last of Us Part 2. Um, and, yeah, with with how, like, random and mad stuff that they can make, like, the controllers do these days, then, yeah, why can't they do something like that? I think you need to get you a job at, at Naughty Dog, Matt. Yeah. Yes, please. Please, make it happen. <laughs> please. <laughs> so good. I've got a couple of questions left to ask, so I'm going to round things off by asking, can you summarise why accessibility matters to you in, like, one sentence? If you can. If you can't, then feel free to elaborate further. No. But um, go, go for it. Yeah. One sentence, it simply because it means I can play the game without help. 
Oh, well, just because it means I can play the game. Never mind the way yeah. I hope it. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Matt? You, you don't have to settle for the default setting. That's what the patriarchy is at the end of the day. It's saying there is a default setting to life, and it is men. And the default, then everyone needs to just, that is one speed, and you can only go at that speed. And if you can't go at that speed, then that sucks for you. And you go, there's actually a billion other opportunities that you can try and it'll actually make your life better as well, not just opening up possibilities for people who it has been closed off to. It's actually good for you as well. And remember, anyone is a second away from some form of disability. Disability isn't something you have, uh, you just have always have had. People, particularly when it comes to age, we, the world becomes less accessible as we age. The world can change for you like that. So lean into making it as accessible for everyone and don't just think about yourself. Excellently summarised. It's all right. No, lest we forget, we were also feminist gamers. So well done for shoehorning in the patriarchy there. I knew it would come up at some point. And I'm not sure I can add anything more eloquent to those two answers. But for me, I'd say it's actually having the luxury of choice, which is not something you often get um, when you're met with barriers to different things. You have to do it a certain way or you don't get access to it. But to have the choice to be able to tailor things to how you might want them to be is uh, something that uh, a lot of people who aren't necessarily disabled might take for granted. And I think that it's something we should pay more attention to. Um, And I guess my last question of the pod would be, for this episode, I'd like to know what games you're looking forward to playing for the rest of 2022. Um, Shall I go first? Yeah, if you like, yeah. Um, Well... Well, <laughs> I, I went straight from Last of Us Part 1 into Part 2 and I've not finished it yet. Mm-hmm. So that is, I've got about half of that to go. Um, and then by the time I finish that, it'll probably be like approaching um, the big C word, won't it? Christmas, obviously. Oh, yes. wasn't, maybe wasn't sure. <laughs> and that would generally mean for me uh, revisiting old games and playing them with my family, like Little nice. Big Planet and... Um, you know, part of games like Jackbox and such. Um, Excellent. But I, I do have half an eye on February and Hogwarts Legacy. Mm, yes. Very good. Excellent. How about you, Matt? I think I know the answer. <laughs> There's one which I which I, I, I have to remain silent yes. until I've finished it. Um, other two are Callisto Protocol. That looks really cool. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's just the, mm-hmm. the, the artwork alone for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is enough to pay £70 for it. It's gorgeous. And I know which one you're staying silent on as well, and it's one that I am going to be playing very soon when it's released on the 9th of November, and that is God of War Ragnarok. But don't worry, I won't be spoiling you, Matt. I promise I will stay very quiet until you tell me that you finished it, and then we can have a big chat. 
perhaps even a couple of podcast episodes on it, I'm sure. Mm. So talking of accessibility, that mm. another one you might want to check out for that, because apparently they've, they've done quite a bit. Yes, I'm very excited to find out about all of those. They did a massive tweet I think it was, I can't remember exactly when that was had loads of different tweets to it that explained each of their accessibility additions for the second game. And from what I can tell, it's uh, definitely um, an improvement. And I will wait to see how much of an improvement because I'm in my replay of God of War, which I'm doing to prepare for God of War Ragnarok. I've actually customised some of the controls much more than I did the first time I played it, and it's making it a, a lot easier to play. Like I've got rid of um, button taps because I find they fatigue my thumb quite a lot and also moved the um, Spartan Rage buttons from the triggers or the sticks rather to just pressing X and circle together, which is slightly easier. Um, but generally in terms of other things, they've got like different coloured subtitles but only the backgrounds of the subtitles, but not different colours. So there's definitely a lot of room for improvement on the original God of War, but I'll be excited to test out all of those features as they apply to me and uh, and see how it goes from there. That's definitely something I'm looking forward to. And then I guess other games, there's a lot that has come out on the um, PlayStation Plus recently that I've downloaded but haven't yet played, like... Um, super hot. I want to have a go at Injustice, and I think the Lego Harry Potter's are coming out this month. Uh, they've announced, which is always a, a healthy return to childhood gaming um, for me, anyway. So um, that should be fun to do, definitely. So we've got plenty to look forward to for the rest of the year. All that's left to say is a massive thank you to Ross for coming on the podcast. Unless you have anything one, else to mention, go for it, Matt. I have one final question, which I've got, I want to ask everyone because I, yeah. I played through played through both games twice now. Have had full time to soak in, soak in everything and develop my own, developing my perspective on it. Who is the worst character? Hmm in both in the two games combined. It's, it's, a, it's a universe of grey area, the grey area of violence. Who in that grey universe is the worst person? That's such an interesting question. Yeah, a lot of candidates. Mm. I think I'll, I'll take the easy one and go um, for David. Um Incredible performance from Nolan North, obviously, mm. in that first game. Um, but I'll, I'll go for David because he was just really weird, <laughs> wasn't it? Him and his um, sort of cannibal friends. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm excited to see actually if, if David's in the TV show that's coming out um, at the next year. But yeah, mm. David is, he was not a very nice person. It's interesting because I. I remember him very starkly from the first the first time I played it, and then it was even better this time. And then I didn't find out it was Nolan North until after I'd with the the uh, another awesome thing they've got director's commentary over the um, ah. over yeah. the cutscenes so in cool. part one. Yeah, it's awesome, and I didn't. And I have never really Nolan North hasn't done anything for me. I just thought, oh, he's just he's just 
he's the godfather of voice acting. He's never actually done anything for me. And then after finding out that he did this incredibly complex, dark character, I suddenly have a universe of respect for him now because it's such a – there's a, a paedophile aspect to it as well, which I had not remembered from the first time. Hannibal <laughs> and the paedophile. So, yeah. That's definitely yeah, the right that's... word to surprise mm. David, kind of paedophile but um, yeah. Nolan North seems to do that a lot. Like he pops up in places that you like didn't realize oh, yeah. it was him. I think he. I remember him being in like one of the Batman Arkham Asylum games. I think he was like Penguin in one of the sort of original ones, and you would not tell at all that it was Nolan North. Um, right. And but yeah. So cool. How about awesome. you, Alex? Well, from my sketchy memory of watching it all on YouTube, I'd say it's a really difficult question because a lot of the characters you initially think are the worst actually have really justifiable reasons for doing what they're doing you could argue um like abby and and that sort of thing um you could argue that joel's the worst character for like basically dooming humanity just because he wanted to save ellie can't shame the dead alex you can't shame the dead otherwise james david so yeah yes it's true true but no i mean it's it's a really difficult question and a good one but i don't know if you have a a set character in mind Matt. i think i have the definitive answer mm. it's uh it's owen <laughs> remember owen abby's ex-boyfriend and yes yes the father to Mel's baby. Mm. everything yes. in the second game is his fault <laughs> I love that. Matt's like, he's definitively the worst. And then Ross is like, he's quite irritating. Yes. Very irritating. Yeah. He he, he was the one who found Jackson and took Abby to look at it alone. And then she goes down and gets saved by Joel. So otherwise they would have had to gone down and found to find a different way. They could have everything, every problem in the second game could have been solved with a few conversations <laughs> that's his fault and then mel dies because he wouldn't just fucking stay back and he shags abby and wants her to come along and oh yeah it's all his fault and i i stand i stand by that having played the games again so i'm, I'm glad the question elicited such interesting responses from you two mm-hmm. for me it's quite it's quite uh shallow <laughs> always a pleasure now you never know this is what's so interesting about podcasting is you don't know what answers you're going to get from each other which is always really fun to do but yes i think that just about wraps us up for this episode and or episodes if we're splitting it but um yeah it's been a really great discussion so thank you very much ross for joining us and i hope you've enjoyed being a guest on the podcast yeah it's been great thanks for thanks for having me both Fabulous. Matt, do you want to do the old spill? I know you enjoy letting everyone know what they need to no, do. I think, I think because we're yeah, because we're editing these, we're doing splitting these up so much, we may as well record one one like thing to start okay. on the end of each one. But we'll do that. Yes, we should. Until then, thank you for watching or listening. Like like, share, subscribe, wherever you may be watching or listening to us. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a comment because that is how we get more feminist gaming talk into the eyes and ears of as many people as possible. But until next yes. time, we have been gaming the system. Bye-bye. Bye.
We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.